the Grey Hat Beard podcast. Hello and welcome to show 52 part 2 of Grey Hat Beard Princess, the modern workplace podcast where we talk about all things Microsoft 365. If you haven't listened to part 1, go back and listen. Um, we... We kind of attack Microsoft quite a lot about a few things, but we cover a lot of the latest news uh, around stuff and uh, talked about tenant switching with Microsoft 365 apps. We talked about connected templates, even a little bit of ranting about uh, renaming channels. So do do go back and give that a listen. Lots of stuff within there. Um, we're still joined here by Michael Roth, uh, because in this part of the show, Michael's going to tell us all about Power Platform Adoption and Governance. Michael, it's easy, right? You just kind of use it and don't need to think about it. Microsoft does it for you, right? Yeah, pretty much. And I think you all had the same experience. Um, the, the Power Platform is all about this this hands-on mentality, right? Um, just go ahead and do it yourself. Do the stuff. That's it's, it's easy. And we get told by Microsoft that if you can use Excel and PowerPoint, then you can build those and apps. So what, what's what's the difficulty in that? Um, but and you can just give it to like a 10,000 strong organization and let them have fun with it. Yeah, so it's it's all super easy and super simple stuff. Um, but I do have a question for you, actually, because I came up recently with uh, some, some thoughts um, as I said in, in part one, I'm a Power Platform consultant, and uh, I ju- said it just like that. But uh, there are two different or many different uh, sides to Power Platform consultancy, I think. Uh, I talk a lot to people who come from the CRM side, from the dynamic side. And if I talk to those people about Power Platform, I realize that we may use the same language, but we don't use the same language at all. So I come from the from the office side, the MC65 uh, side, um, and that is this is quite interesting because when I talk to customers about Power Platform, they start with the question, "What cool app could I build?" And um, yeah, my, my issues start at that exact point with this first question because I think Power Platform is not necessarily about what cool apps you could build, but rather what kind of problems do you want to solve. And I like to confront not only my customers, but anybody I talk to, like you guys now, uh, and girls, sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. You persons. <laughs> um, unicorns is hmm? the correct term. Unicorns is the correct term for all of all us. You, to all you unicorns. Yes, that is, that is correct. And uh, to throw in two aspects of my work, which are rather, well, n- not the most common one, it's adoption and um, governance. Because most people I talk to think governance is kind of boring and difficult and dry topic. And ah, you have to do it, but you don't want to do it. And the other part is the adoption. And everybody thinks about user adoption. And it's like, um, well, throw a fancy party and do a welcome email and you're done. And that's it, right? I see a lot of, of nodding faces. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see no problems with that approach whatsoever. Isn't that the first thing that you do when you start one of these projects? Yeah, you, you book the uh, the launch party and that's, yeah. that's it. Exactly. And what happens usually um, from my experience is that, um, especially with this uh, hands-on mentality, you end up with a lot of solutions, a lot of flows and apps which are halfway done and abandoned after a while. And your user adoption usually peaks very soon after you implement it, and then it drops to not only zero, but somewhere 
pretty low. That's sounding very much like my dev repo at the moment. <laughs> sure, surely, right? You're not telling me that everything's in one environment, though. You know, out out of the box. Yeah, surely you're going to create more environments and then spread out. You know, the apps that are not quite ready yet. Um, <laughs> Everything in the default environment, because we only have that one. But I, and you can you can just post everything out to Twitter, can't you, or copy it all into into you whatever should. whatever location, whatever in whatever connector. I mean, if you if you if you are one of the cool companies that use Power Platform already, you should brag about it and you should tweet it. Like I think all the time. That's that's only fair. Every time a new flow is created. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Every time a new flow is created in the um, in the default environment, set up a tweet. I think that would be nice. Perfect. Perfect. So that's a lot of tweets. See, <laughs> you're getting close to understand how I work. <laughs> so could I ask Michael, you, you've talked about, uh, I can't remember, is it Al or Gary, you talked about having multiple environments. Um, some people listening might be using Power Platform, but be going, what do you mean environment? Is that a separate tenant? Do I, do I log into different there? What, what's meant by an environment? Um, Sorry, yeah. throw you onto the bus there? Oh. Yeah, no, 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 not, not at all. But um, it is an interesting question. And um, I think it's kind of sad that not so many people are asking these questions because most of my customers don't and they're like what environments that's that's new to me and i think most people who have a little bit of a developer experience or know their ways around software and how it's created know about uh, different environments usually if you talk to those people you have something like a development environment a testing environment and a production environment so three kind of three different environments which are separated from each other but under the same tenant so that if you, let's say, play around in your developer environment and you would break things, that doesn't harm the everything in the production environment. So it's it's a nice way to separate things from each other. And especially if you're starting out with something new, like the Power Platform, for most of my customers and most people out there, Power Platform is rather new. Um, especially if you think about the citizen development aspect, you might want to have this. And not only environments, we were talking, um, L, you were mentioning should we use a Twitter connector, for example? Mm -hmm. um, something like data loss prevention policies would be nice as well. And we are knee deep into the into the governance part already. And I really like to to quote uh, my friend M Darcy. Uh, she's working as a, a power platform pre-sales architect, and she always says you need to create something that is called a safe space for makers. And I really like that term. Like that. And um, that's that's where I usually start. If you create something like a safe space where people new to Power Platform and new to, um, let's say, automation or app building and flows at all. If they are new to that, they don't need to uh, have, like, tiptoe around in fear of breaking something. And that really gives, gives, gives a good feeling to you. And on the other side, if you have people from the IT department who know their way around and they still don't know how to use Power Platform, what it can do and what it can't do, it helps them as well. It's it's a perfect opportunity to start things, and that helps you with your adoption concept. Because I like to say, imagine you have the power platform and nobody goes there. That's yeah, that's sad. And it's, and it's always interesting, isn't it, in terms of who you're trying to target with that adoption? Because you'll always get, you know, the magpies, the people who like the shiny new button. They're not afraid to click on it. Yeah. And they'll the click on it, and they and they, they yeah, <laughs> they just they just get them experiment, 
Uh, and so having that safe space where you know that you're comfortable with those people clicking on things and actually discovering that something will save them, you know, an hour a day because they can make their lives easier. That's the opportunity that you want to give them so that you can start that adoption journey, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, sorry, um, I think adoption journey is quite an interesting, interesting uh, term because uh, um, Quite often, when I talk to a manager or a business decision maker, they hear adoption and they know that rings a bell. It's necessary for users. It costs money, but <laughs> I was just about to say they're thinking about all this money. Yeah, yeah, it, it costs a lot, but uh, does it bring any value? And yeah. um, I think the adoption part is is rather unpopular, but so important, especially with Power Platform. You have at least three different stakeholders. Like you have the potential maker from the user side. You have your IT department, like your admins and your developer, and you have the business decision maker. And in the end, the user who ha might have may have to work with a, with our solutions. So there are a lot of people from different uh, backgrounds involved, and suddenly they are all meshed together in one kind of working experience or maybe collaboration experience. And that is it's difficult to come up with. That's it's not easy and. It's, it's 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 always interesting having those conversations with people, though, isn't it? To go, well, actually, who are you speaking to in the first place? You know, I've had conversations where, you know, IT will look at it and go, well, I remember what Access was like. I remember Excel macros. I remember all of those little uh, areas that you'd get somebody who was really good at something and those things would be created and I'd never know anything about it. And I think that's that's part of the lessons around the environment is to know where things are. You know, make sure they're in the right place. You have the uh, the opportunity to discover those solutions, right? Yep. And to maintain and monitor them. I mean, just turn off macros in your organization. <laughs> there is the, the voice of a million screaming financial services people. At the time. So, so, so I call this the scream test. So if yep. you do that, then all kinds of people will start yelling at you because oh, it does not work anymore. And it's the most uh, mission critical thing that they ever built. And only they, and this is usually just like one person sitting in the basement somewhere, can just like uh, maintain this or just like know what this is about and no one else does. So or even, person, or even worse, they retired last month. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> this person is allowed to do everything in the company because they can't let them leave. And it's just like, and, and it's totally insane. And this is of course creating bottlenecks and it's not compliant and we're just like breaking and bending rules. So this is just like, but we're not looking into that because this happened just like all the time. And it's it's been like that forever. And no admin is just like looking at that because they feel like, yeah, I can't, I can't do anything about this because we don't have another tool than Excel for this super mission critical process on which the entire company relies. So how, how do we stop people doing that? So uh, Michael, you've talked about well, and Al, you've talked about having environments and having the kind of sandpits. But if, if you've got that sandpit, what's to stop that becoming the production version of the app? How do you stop that kind of thing? people doing the wrong behavior well i think in the end it's it's like um you have to give your user yeah the possibility to do the right thing and um there we are again the governance part you need the structure and the and the environments to to 
do the right thing and then you have to you need to tell them what's the right thing and what's the right behavior because if you have a group of of makers who are new to the power platform they don't know how to use it in the very first place so you have to educate them if you have and i experienced that a lot you have people from the it department a business decision maker and manager are like yeah those are it guys they know the way around so um no problem here but most it people i talk to they are still rather new to the, the power platform as well and both parties don't have a clue so this is a crucial step or, on the or they really know the power platform and still really break it anyway <laughs> oh well so i i think everyone who built something regardless in which system needs to admit that they broke more than they built everyone regardless of the system that that you use and if you can't admit this uh, so this is just like not honest to yourself is, so of sorry course, breaking things. i was looking upset now there's there's not there's no other way to learn though is there <laughs> no there is no other way to learn you need to break <laughs> yeah. things so, yes. so so of course um destruction is part of a creative process and of course we need to break things in order to learn but um i i, I feel like so if if we do not guide people how they can do this just like and just like feel feel safe <laughs> with that and, and we that were, just becomes a huge mess of course we were having some side chat about how governance is bad thing and boring and things like that but it, it, to me it, if if you can turn that adoption into the governance talking to people explaining why trying to encourage people to do the right thing i, I love it's my one of my favorite phrases encouraging people to do the right thing to kind of educate what the right thing is and then sort of explain why it's worthwhile doing that and getting people there it's always going to be people go no you need to put in the strong gateways you need to stop people from doing this you need to block this you need to block that whereas actually if you if you continually talk to people and engage with them you're far more likely to get that positive behavior not just once but continuously over time and have that conversation with people as to why i always remember with what got me into sharepoint and why i love power platform as well is the, the, to that enabler for people to be able to get things done within their area where they understand that the kind of side of it rather than having to kind of translate requirements back and forth which still like still enjoy that but to be able to put those power in people's hands i remember once uh, we had an intex workflow <clears throat> in a financial services place and someone managed to create i think it was 473 actions and that was dragging and dropping 473 things and they had these kind of tiers of things and had, i was like how do you copy and paste i didn't know you could do that it was like can you copy and paste no no i just did it manually and he clones like seven of these pillars to be exactly the same thing and there was like 50 or 60 items within there that was just duplicating You're like I'm thinking we need to have a chat about how to do things and maybe splitting it up into multiple workflows and, and things like that. And when we had a chat, uh, it just got knocked down. There were still uh, loads and loads of actions, but it was kind of split across multiple things. They could manage it. They could help other people support it as well. And it's the same with the Power Platform. Have that conversation and people will, if you leave people on their own, they'll do some really stupid stuff. If you talk to them, they're far less likely to. Two points to that. Um, first part, you have to actually talk to people. I know not many people enjoy this, but it's super <laughs> important. And um, something you said at the very beginning, which uh, I don't want to get under the bus and to emphasize this. Um, if you talk to people and explain why, like start with why. This is so important and I can't emphasize this enough. Most of my customers don't start with their why. There's like, what cool applications could I build? but not what kind of problems could I solve. 
and, and that is that is the main question you need some kind of vision if you have have a goal where you heading to in the right direction then you can come up with rules and guidelines and with why and you can explain why are we doing this because it's a shiny new tool yes maybe but we want to solve problems <laughs> and that have, is have a nice dev tenant just to play around with those shiny new tools for the sake of it but uh, make sure you're thinking why you're doing things as well yeah i think this the whole you know the governance and adoption thing is 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 using the platform with purpose right that's what we're we're trying to get to because as we know it's very easy to get you know there's there's very little friction to get started right you we've got the default environment you build anything it all goes in there it becomes a little bit of a mess right but if you start to be you know thinking about okay what do we want to get out of this what what are our goals what is our strategy for this this platform um as well is going to help you kind of drive your governance forward right so you know you might look at it that um skills right are in high demand developer skills are in high demand how are organizations gonna fill that gap right you're you're providing a platform you're empowering people like you know kev like you mentioned with nintex workflow right you're empowering people who are close to the business problems to be able mm -hmm. to go away and, and solve those those problems using the platform that's provided. And I think there's a there's a big culture change that needs to go alongside this as well with, with your governance is that you know you are you're you're providing a platform and you're putting the guardrails in like you know what connectors you can use and then and providing this area for people to to work in to get the the most benefit um out of out of using that platform and um, yeah and we've talked about environments i mean one of the things that i still find that that doesn't get talked about enough is the developer plans um in power platform yeah anyone can spin up a developer plan it, it's 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 got the development licenses in there it's very very useful that is the safe space go on louise I have opinions. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, um, so I, I, I do love both the M365 developer tenant and of course also the Power Platform developer plan. And of course you can combine both of these. So you can just like sign up for the developer plan with mm -hmm. the uh, with the second identity that the developer um, uh, tenant gives you. But I think this should just like be the last resort. Because if I work as an employee in an organization, then this organization needs to provide this safe space for me. This can't be my individual problem if I'm in an organization that I create this safe space for me. So yes, it is very cool that we have this option that Microsoft provides all of this. And of course, this helps with adoption because now licensing is not an issue anymore if I only want to learn because then these uh, uh, these plans are for free, but it is not an individual problem. This is an organizational problem, and I think um, this is kind of ambiguous because, of course, yes, it helps with adoption. More people are likely to get into that, but still it takes away the pressure from organization to care about their uh, governance strategy and to care about um, environments and to care about um, making a plan on how to adopt and how to govern. Uh, power platform. So I, I, I think um, we, we just like need to have this look as well and see how. <laughs> so what if um, we just like educated organizations a little bit uh, with that broader view like, hey, you need to set stuff up because otherwise just like things will um, 
things will just like go wrong. And I, I feel like previously or just like the in this old mentality admins were just like restricting everything and removing everything and just like yeah just like shut everything down and we need to to, to come to that point where where the uh, purpose is just like yes i i would try to make it possible just like in enabling people rather than restricting people um but so I, I agree yeah. I agree with that from an enterprise perspective. So enterprises shouldn't be telling everyone that if you want to go and start on a power platform, go and spin up a your own developer tenant. But there's, there's stuff I want to do for an enterprise. If I think about when I worked in financial services, I wouldn't go around and play around and I wouldn't want everyone creating the standard templates and the hack into pieces. That's going to be useless there. I want something that I'm going to fiddle around with in the evening while I'm watching TV, um, kind of spill up an app and things like that. That to me is the playtime, is the developer tenant. So if it's for me, something I can take away, use in different things, that's the dev tenant versus the, the kind of sandbox elsewhere. But this, this comes back to your target audience and your strategy for adoption to say who's going to use it for what purpose and what skills yeah. do they actually need. You know, I've I've come across teams that go, great, I've been sold the Kool-Aid from Microsoft. It's low code, no code. I don't need to know anything. I can just build something. Oh, <laughs> but then they don't understand the SharePoint structure of where they're storing things and the difference between, you know, a document library and a folder and yeah and there's there's actually yeah. you know you've got to be aware of your target audience and yeah. you know if you're going to be a developer sitting on your laptop at night in front of the tv and you're going to be playing you're going to be of a different mindset than you know a somebody who's sat there going well how do i make sure that if i receive an email from this person i can actually create this document and notify the team that we've got something they're really different starting points in terms of the level of information that they need in order to be productive and in order to put them to make the most of it because they're going to yeah. be trying to achieve different things so it comes back to the outcomes that you're aiming for you know both in yeah. terms of the team who are going to benefit from you know a productivity hack that's going to make their world better um versus you know we talked in the last episode about um Michael's uh, session around learning model-driven apps, you know, that's the whole other end, you know, where the, the, uh, the dynamics folks come from this from a very different perspective. Um, oh, yes. And, you know, but when you show people what a model-driven app can do, people kind of go, oh, wow, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's amazing what you can do with that. But they've, they need access, very... Uh, absolutely yes it yes it is kevin i'll just smile and nod at that um but you need to you need to you know where you're starting from and where you want to get those people to as well and i think that's that's the key thing is different people are going to go on different yeah. journeys that adoption is only going to be successful when you know where they're starting from and where you're trying to get them to yeah there's there's a there's an element there of india governance right is defining almost new roles around that platform right so you, you've got someone who's happy building stuff in excel right who then will move into power platform and maybe canvas app in excel and start on that journey it's your personas, and you've got, isn't it? yeah exactly but then you've got other people who are going to be kind of you know more experienced they're still not going to be it but they're going to be building more sophisticated i would call them apps and then moving into like being a solution builder. And then you're starting as you move into solution builder, then you're looking at more enterprise processes, ALM, which is which is suiting those areas. 
And then you bring in the professional um, operations people, developers, um, who are then able to maybe leverage the Power Platform for um, uh, you know rapid delivery uh, of of some um, applications where you know they're wanting to use SQL and, and and other technologies that we've been used to, but actually go you know we could build a, a front end in Power Platform here, and you've, that's a huge spectrum of skills and 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 people that are going to be using that same platform in totally different ways, in totally different use cases. So I think that's that's another thing that I think as part of your governance is is looking at that and looking at your organization kind of holistically and looking at the people um, and, and uh, you know, thinking, at least thinking about it, right? Uh, because if, if you're thinking of it from, from that point of view, you, you can go from just kind of creating a mess to actually then, you know, really driving forward some benefits. Uh, and some some good outcomes. <laughs> and we had the the exact same situation uh, back then when Teams was introduced. Most my most experience with Teams is okay. We tried it with the hands-on mentality, and now we have this rapid growth of of groups and channels and teams. And how do how do I get the the ghost back into the bottle, so to say? How do I, how do I catch up again? Um, it's the same with with a power platform. So, but just coming to think of it, um, so my point would be, and Gary, you summed it up perfectly, actually, put some thoughts into where you want to go and what you want to do with the platform. And now, Luis, as I heard from your session earlier, maybe I should write a blog about 10 things you should think about before introducing Power Platform. Well, <laughs> that should be a really good one. <laughs> yeah, and I think I would, that, love I think to, I would love to read this. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot there's a lot in that subject. I think one of the things that that I have always found for as long as I've been working with Power Platform is the first question is who's actually using it, and you know it's it's until you open the hood and go actually can I see who's actually using it, who's created it, who's who's been brave enough to click on that button. You know, to say right, I'm going to create, I'm going to automate something or create an app. You know, those because those oh, wow. are the people that are the real. Um, they're going to be the evangelists. They're going to be the ones who can really benefit from from any of the nurturing that you you actually do to help them on that journey because they've already kind of gone. Oh well, I'm I'm not afraid to click that button. So you the know, disruptors. That's the disruptors. Yeah, <laughs> disruptors. There is a little yeah. life hack to to find your your uh, early adopters, just as Louis said earlier. Just switch off macros, and everybody yeah. who screams <laughs> like you you and you yeah, oh, platform. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're, you're the ones you're the ones training. who have the pain. Yeah, you'll you'll benefit the most. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we kind of talked about the the comparing it to teams, and we've had a big fairly. Uh, monumental shift that has driven a lot of people towards teams with the pandemic and things like that. But it's not always the case that you will um, be able to push things forward. So, how, you know, there's lots of organizations will turn on Power Platform and the vast majority will go, meh, I've got work to do. Stop distracting me. How, how do you help drive adoption? And I, I know, Al, you, you kind of talked about the ideas of hacks, but Michael, how do you get people kind of starting to use it? How do you get people building that momentum? Um, you get the classic answer. It depends. <laughs> um, Swear yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, there are a lot of people out there who say, I don't have time to sharpen my axe because I'm busy chopping wood, right? Um, um, what I, but maybe on the other end, that 
could be uh, specifically for the German market is um, what I, I usually aim for the citizen developer, for those people who are interested in to come up with stuff and solutions. Um, and I hear a lot of organizations and managers who say, I don't want unexperienced people to build solutions and to play around with my data. I don't want that. And so we switch it off entirely because IT department already said they don't have time for that because they have work to do. And the macro thing again, if you bring that story that you have already in your organization solutions built in Excel with macros, this is this is citizen development. This is not, not a new phenomenon. This is fairly old, actually. And when you point out then that uh, you can't monitor exactly. those solutions, you can exactly, I don't want to say vintage, but this is classic, yeah. <laughs> so if you point out that you can't monitor those solutions and you can't discover those solutions and make other benefit from that, that mostly um, triggers the switch inside a lot of heads. Say, huh, interesting. On the one hand, you get them with uh, discoverability, so um, more people could benefit from a cool solution and could spend me, uh, could save me time and money. And the other one is the security part. Um, ah, I could I could make my solutions, which are somewhere hidden in in the shadow IT, uh, I could make them more secure. That are that are triggers that work really well. And I think that that getting real life solutions that will kind of match the people to me, that's such a, a powerful tool to kind of get people who've developed something that's specific to the organization to a particular business area and show how this has saved time. It's not the power platform could do this. It has. Here's real people who've developed it, who've taken that idea, who've solved a business problem with there and share that as a story. It's such a powerful way because people go, Oh, do you know, we've got something a bit like that. They, they won't think about, I've got a power automate flow that needs to happen. They'll think, do you know, when that happens, I want that email to go off and to get that approval. Actually, if we could do that without sending this bit of paper through to, to five different countries to manually sign, yeah, that would that would be a lot of uh, risk reduction and saving of time and stuff on there. So I, I think getting getting those real stories out to people makes a big difference to, to the adoption. And those oh, stories so are not the out of the possible stories. Sorry, Louise. Because yeah. the Microsoft out of the possible series is the big shiny solution where this yeah. all could end. This They're is real for most stories. people far, far away from their yeah. everyday experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So there is a very doable solutions are the one that so yeah, they they are somehow in stealth mode. So they are not really um really visible. But if you show just like doable stuff to customers, they just like kiss. Yes, you're right. Yeah, because, yeah, of course, the ring. This is what I meant. Um, because, so usually customers assume that they are just like super unique, very special snowflakes, and that the problems and issues they have, this is just like outstanding, and that no one in the world has the same problem or the same uh, challenge to solve. But it's in the end, <laughs> I guess you just like tell them, yeah, of course, you're a super unique special snowflake, but the issues that you uh, face as an organization are just like pretty similar to the ones that others face as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. so you, you need to reinvent, you do not need to reinvent the wheel. You can 
reuse something that is already there. So there are a lot of smart people in the world and of course in the community as well, and they figured out stuff already. So you can just like take this and perhaps we may tweak this a little bit, but we did not need to come up with just like some super custom stuff for you because your problem is not that custom. Coming up, coming up with a set of patterns that that solve common problems and being able to say to people, actually, look, here are some building blocks. Here are some things, you know, you don't have to Google it. We've got stuff that you can actually just take and you can tailor yourself without having to hunt it down anywhere. That's the easiest steps that they could take to actually move forward in a way that is, you know, using the best practices from the outset. Yeah. yeah, I think um, the for Flow and Power Apps, the uh, templates are quite handy to get a first look yep. because there are some, some very good use cases, but um, sometimes they're a little bit tricky because some of them, uh, I think, focus not really on the scope of personal productivity, but a little bit business use case. And I think, I don't know about you, but uh, I think that's quite a challenge to educate my customers about the limitations of the Power Platform. Yep. Um, because every flow loads, uh, works in the in the personal scope of the user, and uh, I don't want the on and offboarding process running under my profile. Actually, that is kind of tricky. And I think that's the first conversation I usually have: is look, here's the center of excellence starter kit. This yeah. will give you an insight into all of this information, but you want to run it under a particular account so that it's not running under your individual, and that opens up the whole question of environments the governance what you set up i you know all of the the tools that are in there now i mean there's some lovely tools in there for nurturing for helping people you know for supporting them when they do first click that button that goes automate something oh what have i done oh i've got a nice email that lets me know exactly where i should go to get help and to ask questions and to see templates and get started in the right way and, even and can that, I just but, say, 35 minutes before we mentioned Centre of Excellence in a, in a chat about adoption <laughs> and governance, I was wondering when it was going to come up. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting what you're mentioning, Al, because um, there are cool tools in there to, to help your user. Where should I go? Where can I get more information? But if you set up the Centre of Excellence, you have to provide that information. And yep. to provide mm -hmm. that information, you have to give it some thoughts. Yep. Do I have some kind of community, a group, or something like that? It does not everything for you, but it helps you develop the right patterns it, and ideas. It frames the questions that you need to think yeah. about up yeah. front, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why I was thinking earlier about what I said about the culture change that's required to to get the benefit right is you can bring the tools that's fine and all the automations, um, but if you're working in exactly the same way you're going to get the same outputs, right? Um, and and sometimes you really need to look at how you operate as a, as a business and think maybe we need to change things up with this platform um, to get to get the best out of it. And, you know, that's power platform. Um, even even development is going through this with, with DevOps and DevOps movement, right? It's all about change of, of cultures and a different way of working. So, yeah, um, the tools are brilliant. COE that you've mentioned. There's ALM Accelerator as well, which is a new one, uh, again. Mm. But it, it it still requires that 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 a different uh, approach. Absolutely, and 
that you brought up culture is an interesting thing. I usually bring this thing uh, quite early is uh, when we're talking about Power Platform. I start to uh, talk about the M365 maturity model. And it's sometimes confusing, but uh, if I know where you are on your maturity level with M365, like if your users are emailing uh, those Excel spreadsheets at an appendix back and forth, then you might not be in the right culture, right right mindset to to build on top of that with the Power Platform and automation because it it helps if you reached a certain level of maturity. So um, in holistic view, it's always kind of helpful actually too. Yeah, I'm where you're where you're starting from. You know, the inevit the inevitable challenge of well, what licensing do you need will come in. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that's that's yeah, always well, and, and that's always going to be one of those. Thirty-seven questions. minutes, that, and we get to licensing. That, that, <laughs> maturity, <laughs> that maturity question, you know, is if you're not mature enough, then it's no point investing in in the licensing that's going to bring yeah. you those premium yeah. connectors. Start yes. by understanding the basics and building up until you actually have a demand yeah. and a need. We don't need yeah. those licenses. They're in the E3 license, right? We can do that. We just use SharePoint as a database, and here we go. Thing is, um, uh, there is a lot of discussion around licensing because um, first, Microsoft makes it incredibly hard to understand licensing, regardless of which product group. So this is always just like, you need a PhD for that. Uh, you need to start really hard. But the second thing is, um, in Power Platform, I, um, I realized in this community, there is a lot of discussion. Wow, these licenses are so expensive. So wh- why should I do that? And speaking from my own experience, I do not have any issues. Just like telling my customers, hey, if you want to build stuff that really works, you will need to use some connectors which are not standard connectors because standard connectors are for your personal productivity and there's there's just like not a lot of value in that if you really want to scale this so at some point you will need to invest in licenses and i have no issues with them agreeing on that because if you want to have an app that really solves a problem and that app is not worth just like five bucks in a month for a user, then you should not build this app at all. Regardless how long it takes to develop this. If you need a day to make this app, or I don't know, two hours to to just like develop this, and it does not save you more than five dollars or euros or pounds or whatever your currency is in a month, then please do not make this app because it just keeps you busy because you need to maintain this, you need to support this, you need to extend this. So it's just like causing more pain than it gives you benefits. And um, I, I feel like the seated license, this is a gateway drug. Of course, <laughs> it is nice that we have this integrate uh, button in every SharePoint list and in every SharePoint library so that we can just like run a flow or just like make this super basic app from a SharePoint list. So this is this is just like this is the candy at the at the cash, you know, <laughs> it's just like it, it, it should drag you into that. And it, it's, it's it's nice from a selling perspective. So I, I, I can appreciate that. I can recognize it and say, yeah, it's a good move. But uh, still, I think it's just like moving people into the wrong direction and into a perception that, yeah, and now we can just like do everything for free. And someone needs to tell them. And yeah, it's us consultants needing to tell them. 
exactly this. And uh, sometimes it's um, it's a little bit unthankful um, because this marketing message is like, yeah, every everyone can do everything for free. <laughs> it's just like it, it, it is. It is not. It is not matching reality. And uh, we but, need to be a little bit more honest. <laughs> But it's a nice bonding experience with customers to rent about Microsoft. So <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't have licensing to talk about, what would we have to talk about? See, well, actually, about 36 life would be, minutes. Life would be second. too easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. They can't take um, this away from us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be thankful we don't work as Oracle consultants. That's <laughs> so. Uh, that's always a fun licensing conversation. Um, Michael, any any words that you want to try and uh, wrap things up at all? Think before you act. <laughs> I don't know, and, but and I ask, think and ask why. On that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we we talk, talked a lot about this. Uh, you should give the whole idea some thoughts. Why you do this? What's your purpose? What's your direction? And this um, this can give you a really good head start on the whole idea. And, and start that, governance that, early. That purpose and direction. It's a it is a long term thing, you know, thinking about, you know, years, you know, because you're going to continue developing those skills, you know. So, and I think that's that's where a lot of clients kind of think, well, what do we need to do to switch it on? Not what is the outcome we want to achieve in 18 months, you know, in two years? What are we actually the benefits that we actually want to realize? Absolutely. To get your long-term purpose and keep aligned to that i think it's absolutely true well thank you very much michael for joining us uh, today to talk about uh, adoption and governance uh, in the power platform and what i love is a lot of things you talked about you know you talked about using the maturity model for microsoft 365 a lot of things we talked about today could be used across microsoft 365 as well that sort of same kind of ethos and you could probably use it as dynamics as well if you're going that way but no don't do that stick with microsoft 365 it's far better <laughs> Uh, just halving our audience right there um thank you very much we will be back uh next week with the latest news and uh hopefully another guest next week if not certainly a fun topic to talk about so uh do stick out make sure you subscribe to this uh if you want to watch some videos subscribe on youtube or also on uh various other channels so come and find us otherwise enjoy your week and bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to Grey Hat Beard Podcast. The song Drink Up My Mateys was brought to you by Black Bones under a non-commercial attribution license. <laughs>